why is the six different vendors charging us seven different prices? Because this guy charges these guys over here charge two different things depending on what day it is. Like, all right, there's got to be a better way. We're like, well, hold on, let's go to one company, vet them, and go. All right, we're gonna buy in advance a hundred AppSec reviews from you. What's that gonna cost us if we commit to a hundred? Can you give us a better price? And ultimately, we're looking at this going. You know, like a couple of cycles through that, we're thinking, I can do better than that. Like, I can do better. We 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 can beat that. Howdy, y'all, and welcome to the Cyber Ranch Podcast. With us today is Raffle Los, Chief Security Strategist at Lightstream. He's held a variety of architecture and strategy roles over the years, and he's very knowledgeable about cyber in general. He's also, for those who know the White Rabbit, the infamous White Rabbit, co-host and producer of the Down the Security Rabbit Hole podcast, which I have to admit is one of the first cyber podcasts I ever found and was frankly an inspiration Woo-hoo. for my getting into podcasting. So this is this is one of my one of my <laughs> they say heroes, never meet man. your heroes in real life, but all right. <laughs> exactly. Rafael and I are friends, in case y'all haven't picked up on that one. So we're here to talk today about security centers of excellence, cybersecurity centers of excellence. So I thought we could dive in first. Um, and Rafael, I'll just start firing some questions your way. We'll start having a conversation. Welcome to the Cyber Ranch podcast, recorded under the big blue skies of Texas, where one CISO explores the cybersecurity landscape with the help of friends and experts. Here's your host, Alan Alford. So let's define center of excellence. Let's start with that. Just what the heck is a center of excellence for those? You know, let's let's get our agreed to terminology before we yeah. proceed here. So here it is for me. Uh, so a little background before we go, before we dive into it. So my background in this is from a little company you may have heard of called General Electric. Now it's going to be three little companies you may have heard of, thanks to uh, some wonderful management. But back in my career there, we had a ton of businesses that fluctuated, right? And so you had any given point in time, either 5, 15, 25, 36, like sub-businesses as they rolled up again under each other and, and fluctuated and Everybody had a CIO, not at, most people didn't have a CISO. And so we tried to figure out how do we centralize security functions? Specifically for us, it was security functions on the security team. But it was, how do we do something so that we, like the, as the name implies, center of excellence, we have either delivery and policy centrally, or at least policy done centrally. And it turned into for a lot of the, time that I was there that we built this. We built, I, I helped build the AppSec one. Uh, we modeled it after the one that we built in the US. But basically what it was is you got all these different businesses within the organization in, in, in the hierarchy that could not afford to have, didn't want to, uh, have their own security. And as a large entity, we sort of wanted to say, okay, this is the group set policy. By the way, there's no reason you guys should, you know, sub-business Q should try to build their own version of this. So rather than doing that, treat us as a service provider to you, mm-hmm. right? Pretend like we're a vendor. We're going to build all the, we're going to hire the people, create the policy to create the tools, do the workflows, all that, and treat us like a vendor. We'll charge you for it. Obviously, we'll charge you less since it's an internal cost. Uh, but it's a cert, to me, it's a service delivered. It's a centralized service delivery model for multi-unit businesses w- that tries to capitalize on cost and efficiency overall, right? And, and de- to deliver a service. 
I'm going to expand on that definition and broaden it just a bit, though, because I've done I've done some security of excellence stuff in my past as well. And I would argue it doesn't have to be a multi-unit business. It doesn't have to be a multi-subdivision business sort of thing to be successful. I think even within one broader, larger business, you can be successful with a COE. And then there's, to me, there's kind of some hierarchy to it in terms of how much is active service versus how much is resource and all all that kind of good jazz, too. But we can we can talk about that as we progress through the conversation. Yep. So let's talk about goals first. Let's start with that. What the heck are the, you know, what, what are the real goals? You kind of outlined it a little bit. There's some cost savings there. There's some providing of services. But what, what other goals do we have for a cybersecurity center of excellence? If, if I break it down, to me, we looked at standardization was a big deal, right? We wanted to, we, we knew the other parts of the business weren't going to be able to have the knowledge, uh, not because they weren't smart, but because that wasn't their business. Right. We wanted to take th- this particular part of IT, a little additional context. G had a great motto and, and great way of approaching IT in the early 2000s, late 90s. And that is that they focused on, they, they would internalize things that were core to the business. Like, what does the business do? And the answer at that point in time was never technology. They were not IT people. Mm-hmm. So they outsourced it all. The problem is outsourcing is messy. It's costly. And you and you got to watch your vendors. And at some point, they were like, you know, we can do this better, right? We said, we can do this better internally using the same goals, right? So standardization, cost containment. And then I guess a third one for us, and it wasn't really, really well adopted. It wasn't defined super well. So keeping costs down for everybody, right? And then accessibility. Right. So to me that and to my team, that meant that we worked really hard to make sure that to use an old Russian saying the haves and have nots were not disparate. There were no have. We tried to make sure that there were no have nots like businesses that said, listen, we have a security person. I I can't do an entire app. I I reproduce some web applications and some part of the business. I don't have a team to do that. I'm just going to go pick a third. Like, no, no, hold on. Before you do that. We do that internally. We've already set the policies. We've tuned the tools. We know what the, we, we've got an overall strategy for the business. So accessibility to security services was a third. So cost, standardization, and accessibility. So we've kind of defined goals. We've, we've talked about kind of what it is in general. So let's switch gears and talk about how do you birth one, right? Like how do you get this off the ground? If somebody else wants to launch a cybersecurity center of excellence in their business or their enterprise, Getting it off the ground, what does that look like? How does it get born? Generally painful. Somebody has to make the decision to make the investment. And that is, it all starts there. So there's a, uh, we, we are lucky enough to have a, a fantastic set of resources. They call them black belts, right? Inside G, the Six Sigma black belts. These guys and gals, their job was to look at efficiencies and effectiveness and, and figure out what we can do better and how we can do it better. And, and we determined that, yeah, we can. Like we think that, if we spend X and build this thing and and buy the tools and hire the people, if we did it in this part of the world with this type of structure, then we can deliver a service that is as good or at least as good as what we decided was tier two, as the tier two providers that were out there that companies were, our internal companies were hiring, mm-hmm. right? So- we're not talking. We did. We did. We're not going to try to out hire. Um, you know who was out there at the time for AppSec, the premier AppSec companies. We're going to. You know, there's a bunch of tier two companies. Yeah, we're going to be as good as those guys. Okay. So, 
we decided that it, 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 the birthing of this thing is difficult because you have to have somebody that's willing to commit and make an investment and say, okay, it's, this is going to make sense. You need buy-in from the executives. Otherwise, this doesn't work, right? So either there's one of two ways of doing it, either by consensus or decree. We never had the opportunity to do any, virtually anything by decree. Security that had at, when I was there had no decree because we okay. didn't have a CISO. We had a security leader. Okay. And while the security leaders that at the time uh, were brilliant, they don't, didn't have the actual power of I, I said so, therefore, right. right? They would set security policy and each business would be like, yeah, that's, that's cute. cute, but I'm going to do it my way. <laughs> yeah. um, and so the commitment was, okay, we now have to go to all six or seven or however many business units there were, get them to go, yeah, we're in for this and then execute quickly enough before the landscape changed and the leadership changed. And they're like, I don't know. I didn't commit to that. Right. So it's commitment. It's it's planning, it's budgeting, and then then the real work, as they say, begins because then you've got to figure out how do I deliver in a way that is consumable by all of my internal businesses that I can not only because uh, I need to give I need to tell them don't use external companies, use us, we're as good or better. Right. They need to look at it and objectively and say yes, I agree, that's true. So you actually right. have to deliver. Right, right. And and you've also got to advertise well. There's a whole marketing component because uh-huh. how do they even know you're there? Uh-huh. And then once they know you're there, how do they how do they know to believe in you? And to your point, execution obviously has to be there, but how do you get that message across? How do you sell uh-huh. in the business? Hey, we're here. Use us. And it's difficult because you again, some companies are lucky enough. I don't although I don't I don't know if I'd say lucky. Some some companies get the by decree part. I don't like doing that by decree because then you end up going to people and saying, hey, your CEO com- or your CIO committed to this. You better do it. They're like, mm-hmm. yeah, fine. I'll do it. Right. But you can't make me like it. Wherein the other way, which is by consensus, you sort of go, okay, how do I make you successful? By the way, I, I just note that I'm trying to make you and 74 versions of you across other completely. Hey, this guy over here is running, uh, is doing medical work. You're a planes and a company. You make turbines. These folks, you know, do plastics. Those guys mine sand for light bulbs. And by the way, we're just going to standardize. Like if you right. want a real tough project, go work. You know, standardization across GE in the in the early 2000s. That that was some work that I'm proud of that we did a truckload of, and it was I mean it was hard anecdotally for myself at the time, right? Twenty years ago, so I was less than seven years into my career. I was uh, young and I knew everything there was to know, and nobody was going to tell me anything wrong. Of course, man, do you get humbled real quick? And back to the broader definition, you know, you, you, you're telling your context of GE and these multiple businesses. I, I would argue that even even in one business who's only working on the one mission, trying to standardize across departments even is is a challenge yeah. because you've got folks that I'm trying to think of some good examples: engineering versus HR versus marketing versus sales versus you know whomever. Well, think of a university. Yeah. Yeah. University is another good example, too, with the different colleges and schools. And maybe there's a hospital yep. on campus and maybe there's a whatever. But but just just getting across those disparate departments and trying to standardize across those departments. You know, the times I've had successful centers of excellence that I've been a part of making, 
And you notice, I think both of us are always talking about being a part of it and not <laughs> being it. I don't yeah. think there's a single center of excellence that doesn't require a whole freaking team to pull off correctly, right? Oh, absolutely. But that being said, the times I've been successful, standardization, even within one unified business, was the biggest challenge because people have already gotten, departments have gotten set in their ways. We yep. always purchase in the following ways. We have our preferred vendors. We go through this department to do our purchasing. We already have this method and system in place. We wrote our own spreadsheet that we use and no one else uses. We've got our, you know, etc. Yeah, but et cetera, but et I already have this endpoint tool deployed and it's been there for seven years. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Even even down to the tooling level, depending on how, you know, how quickly your IT can get a hold of and centralize. I worked at, you know, back in the same time period you were at GE, I was over at Polycom. Polycom originally had uh, a, a unique, discrete IT group per site because yeah. Polycom was built through conglomeration. There was the original telephone company, and then they acquired a video conferencing company, and they acquired another video conferencing company. And every single one of these entities had their own methods, their own process, their own IT. And it was declared, we're going to centralize IT. And that declaration to the point where I felt like we actually were centralized and were humming uh, was about two and a half, three years. Mm. And and that was with a company that at the time was only doing about I want to say probably about five hundred million a year, so they they weren't even all that big back then, uh, and it still took two three years to pull off to get that centralization. And then the center of excellence is a layer on top of centralization, right? Like right, you you can't just say we're going to start with center of excellence. No, it's strange. I feel like companies that get the COE concept right, or at least get it, I'll just say those that get it understand its purpose and its mission and how to build it, have typically gone down the route of, like you said, acquisitions, mm -hmm. divestitures, sh uh, shrinking and expanding. And quickly, somebody realizes, sweet mother of all things, holy, we have 17 different endpoints. We do AppSec with 22 different vendors. There is no consistency across this business. I've got, I'm the CISO or I'm the security lead and I have you know 12 lieutenants and they and, and you know we decided that we're going to uh, not inter. Here's the key: not interfere with business process. So we're going to let them do things their way as long as they conform to roughly these parameters. And, and we all know what that means, right? That means somebody's right. going to go, "Yeah, I can I can do that while doing nothing different than I'm doing today. I just have to answer questions differently." Right, right. I think Alan, the the, the thing for that I learned was that because we did it by consensus, about a third of the time, I was told, yeah, no, thanks. And we went, but they're like, yeah, no, we're good. Thanks. We're going to keep doing it our way. And so you had to be persuasive, maybe is the right way of putting that mm -hmm. and saying, mm -hmm. okay, but I think I can save you money or I think I can do things better. And then he had to prove it, right? right? He actually had to show them. I can do it faster than your vendors. I, I, you know, I can cost you less because we absorb some of that cost. Now there's, there's two, I don't know if you're going to, we're going to get the cost separately, but uh, I'll dive in a little bit. Yeah. Cost is the other interesting part. Do you charge back or do you create an absorbed cost? Right. right. So there is a number of ways to do it. Uh, we experimented with, I think all of them. You have the option of saying, um, again, if you're doing it by the Cree, it's, it's easy. You just go and say, all right, there is an IT, there's a charge component that your business is going to pay to the COE every quarter here on out, whether you use us or not. I recommend you use us. Otherwise, you're double paying. Yeah. And then a decision is then made for you. Those are usually made at like the CFO, CIO, global CIO level. 
Yep. Or you can say, hi, I've built this. We are creating a centralized IT structure that is going to do this for you for free as right. part of your normal budget allocation. Like, you know, you, you, IT is a service to your part of the business. Yep. You already pay X amount of money for it. It's factored in. We got this. You want to do it yourself? It's That's cool, but it's additional budget. And then somebody looks at that and goes, uh, why are we not doing this? This is free, right? Okay. Right. Right. Going that way. Yeah. And even if you don't go with that model, you know, we talked about decree versus consensus. The CFO's office, you know, is going to very quickly get on board when you describe to them, you know, today, Sally goes to Walmart and Timmy goes to Walgreens and Freddie goes to CBS. And this guy's going to this other store and this other store and this other store and this other store. And at the end of the day, we've bought 17 staplers mm -hmm. versus we can bulk buy the same 17 staplers from a bigger entity and only pay for 15 staplers. Now, you know, blow that out to an IT metaphor, to a cybersecurity metaphor. The bulk discount buy aspect of it, I think, always appeals, regardless of how you build it internally. Sooner or later, the CFO and the whole financial organization are going to get on board when they realize that there's a significant savings through consolidation for any of it, right? Yes, but... I'm all in for that. That is that, that is exactly it. The trick there is you have to have an answer to, but my stapler is different and I need exactly this one because my right. the paper I staple is different. Right. You go, okay, cool. So you can have, so I'm going to bulk buy two different staplers. They meet all the use cases I can think of that, that right. you guys have all told me about because I've right. done the research on, right? right? You can't just say thou shalt use this stapler and then you go, they go, yeah, but that doesn't work for uh, for my business. You go, that's okay. I'm charging you anyway. That's a that's a really quick way to get fired. No, absolutely, absolutely. And then as to the chargeback model, I, I don't know if Microsoft is still doing this, but I remember back in the day as we were thrashing around uh, with how to do this. This was at another company I was at. Somebody who used to work at Microsoft said there's a standard Microsoft model that we could adopt. And at the time, anyway, what Microsoft was doing was every time a new employee came on board there was a certain just part of overhead cost for a new employee being onboarded and X dollars per month went to IT for every employee hired. Yep. And it was just a straightforward, simple tax that was always paid. That was basically, you know, it, it became effectively invisible because here you are, you know, every new employee, you've got costs associated with onboarding and here's your benefits and here's your salary and here's your whatever. And now here's this little IT tax and it's just whatever that got lumped in and, and individual departmental managers and hiring managers didn't really think about the tax, but the tax covered absolutely every aspect of IT that was required. And I always thought that was a clean model, but I never found a way at any company I was at to actually pull that off and deploy that model. That's assuming that your COE is employee centric, right? You're, that you're doing something that's it's either like an endpoint security thing or identity access, centralized identity access management or something else. The types of services I, we were usually building and delivering were that was at the that point in my career where I was doing almost exclusively software security mm -hmm. uh, AppSec, right? So it was always AppSec, it right. was always testing, uh, some pen testing, centralized pen testing, or um, later became centralized network infrastructure. And then, of course, cloud came along. We're like, well, we're no longer useful. useful. <laughs> <laughs> right. Reboot the entire everything. So basically, in your model, it would be a project level tax. Every new project has a tax. And that tax is, you know, pay this and you'll get, to your point, tier two equivalent. You'll get all these yep. services. You get your AppSec. You get your other stuff. You get your reports. Everything's standardized. Uh, anything goes wrong, you can blame us. Interestingly, and that's, you know, I'm joking about that. But I have actually found that to be one of the useful selling techniques. You know, once you've signed up for Agreed. our services, if anything goes south, it's not on you. It's on us. 
Right. And they're like, oh, really? <laughs> well, I like this model. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's I think, the, one of the nice benefits is we used to call it funny money. That is no longer funny because, you know, news. All you're doing really is shuffling money around inside your company, mm-hmm. right? You're not, it's not going, it's going out from a centralized place. Right. And you're not necessarily having to spend dollars, right? So that, that it's, it's the bulk buy Costco model of, yeah, I, I know we need, it, it, frankly, this all for us at the time, it all started because we, we were getting hammered on uh, too many different vendors charging wildly different costs for mm-hmm. software security reviews. And some of them were like, oh, well, this one needs to be done by tomorrow. Like, well, why, you know, why didn't you know about this a, a month ago? Like, uh, well, it needs to be done tomorrow. So I need you, we need to go pay a vendor an emergency, like to be their pr- number one priority. Like, holy crap, this is costing you 5X what it should for this, you know, emergency right. review. Right. And uh, this, that, that approach, um, it was it was killing us on costs and people like CIOs were bitching at the fact that you know this is so expensive and we're going okay wait a second now why is the six different vendors charging us seven different prices because this guy charges these guys over here charge two different things depending on what day it is right They're like all right there's got to be a better way we're like well hold on let's go to one company vet them and go, all right, we're going to buy in advance a hundred AppSec reviews from you. What's that going to cost us? If we commit to a hundred, yeah. can you give us a better price? And ultimately we're looking at this going, you know, like a couple of cycles through that, we're thinking, I can do better than that. Like right. I can do better. We can beat that price we, internally. We, we can beat that. And, and the answer wasn't particularly like, oh, I can hire better people or I can, you know, anything else like that. But it was, it was about being repetitive. It was about delivering consistent quality that we knew that we understood. Mm-hmm. Because the challenge always was when you when you go, for example, an AppSec pen test, right? Go pen test a web application or an application in general. Are you paying for uh, when you get results? Is the result because of the quality of the team doing the review or the quality of the application. Right. And and even if you settle on one company, the team cycles over time rather quickly. There's a lot of turnover in that space. So you may have the company you feel like is giving you the best results of all the other companies, and it turns out it was actually Sanjay, and then Sanjay leaves the company, and all of a sudden the quality plummets. That's exactly right. Let's pause right there and hear a brief word from our sponsor. Axonius has crossed the chasm, the first company to solve the cybersecurity asset management problem. Gartner has recognized cyber asset attack surface management chasm as a category in their hype cycle for network security 2021 report. Axonius gives its customers a comprehensive, always up-to-date asset inventory, helps uncover security gaps, and automates as much of the manual remediation as you want. Take a look at Exonius and give your teams time back to work on the high value cyber initiatives they were trained to do. It's interesting. There's another point to what you bring up that's kind of adjunct. I don't want to derail us and and go back to a a brief side thread here, but you know, it's not just the seven vendors giving the, the wildly different seven rates. Sometimes you'll find department A, department B, and department C are all actually using the exact same vendor and still getting wildly different rates. And there's an entire third-party universe of contracts consolidation out there that I've seen where a, a larger company can actually hire one of these smaller firms, and all that smaller firm is doing is going to, you know, whatever, going to AT&T and saying, okay, 
we've got 17 circuits in, in 13 locations, and the prices are all over the map. We want to consolidate all that and make it one one price, one fee. Give us a better discount. You know, Yes, sir. And, and just simply going through one vendor at a time and consolidating the offerings from that one vendor. And if you're, if you're already positioned as a center of excellence with that centralized capability and authority, that can be the, the, the locus of that activity as well. They can be the ones to drive that and, and bring further savings to the business, right? Yeah. And, and I don't want to necessarily say that we're just simply focusing on cost here, but yeah. I mean, let's face it. What is security com- consistently being complained about? That it's, it's, a, it's a massive cost. It's always going to be a massive cost. There, it, it's not like, a, a, yes, it's a competitive differentiator, but ultimately it's a cost. We're not making anybody money. Right. Unless right. we do it. Our, then the idea then is, of course, you, you don't want to run. Like, I promise you, your instinct will be, hey, I can make a profit on this COE. Don't. Yeah. Like r- run, run flat. <clears throat> that should be the goal. Yep. You don't, because then your other businesses are going to pressure you, right? The people around you are going to pressure you why are you like, this isn't, you know, you're not trying to be, you're not making money for the company by getting your own businesses to spend more money. Like that doesn't work that way. That's an important part to remember from a, it's a psychological thing, but it's an important part to remember from uh, when you're building this thing out, like what's your cost model? Well, it's exactly like, let's figure out what our resources cost us. Right. And then figure out how we're going to bonus our employees and, and continuously educate them and make them better. Cause that's what the vendors usually don't do is right. They stagnate their employees and they just kind of degrade over time. But how do you, can you factor education in? Can you factor training in? Can you factor better tooling in? Can you factor all these other things and then not make a profit? Right. Right. And, and not be subtly showing off as the department with all the whiz bang stuff either. Right. Because if you do too much training yeah. and too much education versus the rest of the business, that's going to get observed and known. And the resentment is going to build there too. It's a balancing act. It's a real balancing act to double down and invest and improve the center of excellence. Cause the whole, you know, let's emphasize the excellence here. We need training and things to, to maintain and, and develop excellence. But uh, I I've seen resentment build when the team was too self-invested um, and other departments pointing out, well, our training budget got declined. What, what, why, why are these guys getting to do it? And you know, that whole, that whole resentment rat hole can, can be opened up very quickly. Yeah. You, you don't want to go down that one. So let's finish off on metrics. Yeah. Let's talk about metrics. Let's do it. Success factors. What do we got here? There are metrics to the business and then metrics internally. Yes. Internally, I'm looking for, uh, consistency and speed of delivery. Odds are you won't be billing by the individual project or work effort. You'll be billing on the on the uh, by quarter or what by mass. You want to say we projected X, we're within target. I, I would say usually within plus or minus ten percent, right? Because there's right. a margin of error there. And if you're if you're dead accurate, you're you're doing math wrong because nobody's that good. Right. But you wanna you you wanna be able to project and and contain your costs and delivery is a big one. Right. Because there are delivery expectations. So the downside of having a COE from a user perspective is it's the company doing work to the company. So you can't and you have to use them. So oftentimes you can't go, well, you guys suck. I'm going to go to a different vendor. Right. Right. Or you can't care in this thing like, hey, I'm going to talk to your manager like I am. your uh, That that would be like your boss. Like, stop it. Right. So you, you, you can't have that thing to go hide behind. 
So you have to have consistency of delivery. If you say there's a three day turnaround, it better be three days. Right. If you're, but, but again, there's a caveat that at X volume, we do three day turnarounds. Right. And then you've got to look at consistently delivering to those targets. Yeah. Providing quality work, meeting your own internal quality standards, whatever those are, to SLAs that you set. My favorite ones are the, the most important ones to me were always if I say an AppSec review, small, medium, large, and we scope it at the beginning. Yep. Small takes up to five days, medium takes up to 10 business days, large takes up to 30 business days. I'm just throwing this out there, yeah. right? random numbers. And I need to deliver to that with a high degree of precision, right? And, and my goal is to be under that, but I have to account for volume. And then I have, and the reason that's important is I have to, I have to constantly be having that communication and that dialogue with the businesses that I serve to make sure that I need to understand their the volume of work effort that they need because it's not never consistent. Businesses are cyclical businesses. Some businesses uh, do it by season. Some businesses do it by how well the economy is doing. Mm -hmm. Some businesses do it something entirely different by, you know, regulatory season or whatever. Yep. So there were parts of the business that uh, I knew were doing, you know, summers and winters were their big, big times. Uh, others were like, hey, uh, if the economy stinks, you're not going to see it. You're not going to hear from us. But if it's great, I'm going to you know, dump a dump truck in your in your front yard here and you're going to go. Right. So I, we always needed to have those conversations. Uh, quarterly is not enough. So for us, it was monthly mm -hmm. uh, to talk to the, the head of the PMO uh, that's going to say, all right, this quarter I'm projecting or this, yeah, I'm yeah. projecting 250 apps. You go, okay, you said that last, uh, last week or last month. Is that still good? And they go, yeah, it's been a little tight. I'm thinking closer to like 50. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. I'm going to downscale or, and, and, or I'm going to, you know, let those, uh, let that staff go do something else or, oh, heck, we've had three down quarters over quarter. Maybe my team's too big or right, right. we have been you know, at, running ragged to meet the SLAs. Maybe my team's too small. Right, right. Just staying staying aligned with the rhythm of the business. Period um, is is really what we're talking about here. And I want to I want to yes. drill into something you you glossed over, and this one's an important one to me, which is those quality metrics. And the reason I say that is this: I have found it's very easy to launch a center of excellence with the argument of, eh, we can do as good as them, but cheaper. Right? Yeah. And then you focus but, on the cheaper. But over time, how do you? prove and maintain no 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 as good as them because what'll happen is once the center of excellence is developed some new manager comes in to take over some department and looks at your offering and says oh no 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 i got these guys that i've always worked with that i can guarantee you are better and yeah. and the, and the backlash towards outsourcing again starts to happen you've got to be prepared for that moment and you've got to have metrics that demonstrate nay 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 my friend we are in fact a quality offering so so talk to me a little bit about quality metrics there Quality is a little bit of a white whale, I think, in in in, uh, in our profession because when you look at again, I'm sticking to AppSec here as an yeah. example, because what I know, you sort of want to go, oh, how many how many volumes did we find, or you know, how many things did we miss? Unless you've got, unless you're doing two different things at a time, right? It's hard to give a comparison, and and frankly, it's it's tough. So when I look at quality. I'm looking at quality of output, meaning is the report that's written 
uh, or is the 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 output usable media? Is it actionable? Um, you know, do I frankly, uh, you know, we we used to do like a like a mock NPS, mm-hmm. right? How happy you know are the PMs that we work with? And if they're like you guys, I, I hate this team. I hate working with them. They're awful. That's a quality. That's a negative quality score. That's a bad thing. Yes. From a quality perspective, I think it's 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 easy to start chasing the how much bad did we find? How much did we berate the the people that that sent us this app because it's so crappy? But outside of that loop, that doom loop of, of, of bad things that just it keeps getting worse. You look at you know when we did endpoint. It was consistency of deployment. Mm-hmm. How many systems, and this is a real metric, how many systems did we blow up by putting this agent on it that we that we shouldn't have? Right. How many outages did we cause? Right. Like, did we cause? Not because, you know, and, and some of them were legit. Sometimes you deploy an agent and the guy, and the, and the group would go, you broke 150 systems. And you're like, great, why? Right. And, and they'd go, well, these guys are different. And you, should, you know, but, but we asked three months ago when we were, we're, you know, specking out your business unit. Yeah, didn't speak up. I, do you want me to be psychic? Right, right. Let's unravel that. Let's fix it. And and usually that happens within a business once per year or something. Right. Lesson, uh, yeah, per, lessons per learned over time cycle. in theory reduce they, that, right? Yeah, but they get forgotten just as fast, right? So, yep. but how much, you know, things for, for quality metrics, like how much um, did we break? How much yeah. did we break from a process perspective, from a very real, how much business, outages did we cause uh, by trying to implement something? What was our internal net promoter score? How good was the quality of and consistency of, of our work and our effort? Yep. Uh, those types of things for me, and and then you you know put that all under the, but how consistent is our delivery? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's always going to be different by the thing that you do. So if you're delivering endpoint services, if you're doing pen test services, you're doing app reviews, if you're doing, I don't know, whatever, uh, architecture reviews, uh, centrally, there are, there are going to be different types of quality metrics you're going to have, and you have to make it relevant to the business and you have to make it relevant to the goals that you're trying to reach. And remember, yes, one of the major goals is cost reduction across that business. Of course. But don't get stuck there. Yes. Because you don't want to be cheap. You want to be cost effective. There's a world of difference between inexpensive and cheap. Yeah. There's a running gag in the data services industry. It's used sometimes sardonically, but usually used in theory as a, this is what we don't want to be example. But the phrase is your mess for less. Yes. That if you're if you're simply selling on cost alone, it's like, oh yeah, you're screwed up business. We can maintain your screwed up status for less money. You know, that's well, that, obviously not the goal, right? Well, in the, in the early years of offshoring, literally that was the motto. I mean, when I, when I I've probably used that phrase within the last two weeks, right? Because uh, working in an organization that does security services, right? Endpoint the, uh, protection being one of them, yeah, and, and and all manner of endpoint. People are like, well, uh, I've already got this uh, deployment here. Can you just manage it? And I'm like, I will not do your mess for less. I'm sorry. Right. Like, I, right. I, I am not going to take whatever the heck it is that you did over the last, you know, two, three years. And it may be graded and it may be complete poop, but I will not take that over because I don't have the, I don't have the expertise in it. Right. I, it, I don't know the processes. I don't know the build. I don't know how consistent it is. I don't know how effective it is. So the answer is no. But yeah, your mess for less. My friend Jen Black would uh, would would use that quite a bit when, in my HP days for 
reasons you can probably imagine. Right, right. <laughs> so, so there's one other variable to the quality piece that I'm going to throw out there that, that I always found to be useful that isn't necessarily a quality metric in its own right, but that helps with that conundrum I pointed out of eventually somebody's going to point out, hey, I could uh, get this better outside, right? And that's just, and you already alluded to this, but just the simple act of total transparency. You're not going to hire an outside vendor who's going to publish all of their oopses, gotchas, snafus, wins, losses, and everything else, right? Like you're, you're not going to get all that from an external entity. And if you maintain that transparency, and one of the things we did, by the way, on the AppSec side that we also did is we tracked actual hacks. After, ah, okay. after we tested an app, a year later, it gets popped. Okay, we're going to note we got popped once. And the theory is you should have a very, 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 very low, you know, we got popped rate. Um, but yeah, just being but fully I, transparent about that, I found to be a good argument towards the quality as well. Name name any outside vendor who's going to give you this transparency. I commend you on that. I've had trouble with that specific uh, measurement mm -hmm. because when you, know, you do a review of an application, uh, some source code today, call from a the easy one from a dynamic perspective, right? Yep. And it and it uh, it was early two thousands, and it passes has no issues. Five days later, somebody's got a new technique of, of yeah. new exploit, yeah. and there's no way you would have found it. Well, and, and you're like, see, you missed it. You're like, no, because this we delivered your project on this date. It was discovered on this date. Right. <laughs> like, there, there's there's uh, a triaging process that has to happen there, and that's definitely what we did because it's not just a new exploit could come out. You can test the code, and the next day an engineer writes a new sloppy line of code and introduces a new vulnerability because there's internal changes, not just external changes that can be a factor. So anytime we did get popped, we would analyze it, and if it was the code we had tested before and it wasn't a zero day, we would score it as our fault. And anything else okay. would be scored as, no, nah, stuff happens, and that's the nature of the beast. What that tells me is, and this is a, an upsell opportunity, is we should be scanning your app more frequently. That actually, that's a, that's a really good turnaround of a, of a potentially dangerous metric. I, uh -huh. I'm going to use that one. Uh-huh. Oh, you, guys, you guys aren't hiring us enough because you keep getting popped by zero days or, or you're changing your code on such a frequent basis that us testing you on a, on, a, on a moderate pattern isn't sufficient enough. So, all right, let's switch gears completely here. Rafalos, uh, I got a question I ask every guest at the end of the show. This is January now of 2022. We got a new question for the first six months of the year. Okay. And that is... What is something you learned from outside of cybersecurity that has helped you in cybersecurity? Oh, man. I, I'm going to equate this to, uh, to parenting. In, in parenting, I've, I've learned that we talked a little bit about this at the beginning of this, of this episode with the, the decree versus uh, consensus. Mm -hmm. when, I, when I had toddlers and even with my eight-year-olds, um, I can mandate that they go do something. And because right. they're good kids, they will go do something, but they will do the absolute bare minimum that meets what I just said. If I say, go brush, their, go brush your teeth. And, and they're like, okay, fine. They'll do the, uh, you know, okay, I'm done. Shook, shook, right? shook, shook, done. <laughs> yeah. You're like, what? no, 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 guys, come on. You can do it. Or I can give them reasons why it's a good idea. Play to their wants. Okay, guys, we're gonna if, if we're gonna play one more round of I don't know whatever we've been, we've been playing Minecraft Dungeons or whatever there the you game go. is. It's a lot of fun. Like okay, one more level, but then but first I want those teeth brushed. I want them done right. I want the sinks cleaned up, and I want your PJs on. Let's see if you can do it in seven minutes or less, and we'll play one more level. Man, they are gonna be flying and that sink is going to be sparkling and their PJs are going to be on and they'll use a two minute timer for their teeth and they're bam downstairs on the couch ready 
like, wow, that was six and a half minutes. Like, that's incredible, guys. All right, Nicely let's go. Nicely done. Nicely right? done. So, so parenting turns out prepares you quite a bit for real life in, in the business because in InfoSec particularly, right, we grew up thinking that we could simply mandate things because we were smarter, we were better. The the uh, the average Joe didn't in, in the business didn't have any idea what we were doing, so we could we could make them look silly quickly, and then over time realize that that approach was dumb, uh, and it's in twenty five years later it is still kicking us in the rear because we took that approach and it kills your credibility. It yep. teaches people how to do the absolute bare 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 minimum of mm-hmm. what you said, mm-hmm. and uh, it's not a good approach. So a whole business full of messy sinks, <laughs> metaphorically, of course. <laughs> Metaphor. Well, yeah, yeah. Let's let's go with that. All right. So, Rafa Los, Chief Security Strategist at Lightstream, producer and co-host of the Down the Security Rabbit Hole podcast. Thank you very much for coming on down to the ranch. Thank you, listeners. Y'all be good now. Mm-hmm.